everyone. Welcome to One Hour in the Past, a new podcast series presented by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center and hosted by me, Kathleen Powell, Curator and Supervisor of Historical Services, and Adrian Petrie, Visitor Services Coordinator here at the museum. Before we get into today's podcast episode, we would like to acknowledge that we are recording today's podcast at the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center which we acknowledge is part of the traditional territory of the Neutrals, Haudenosaunee, and Anishinaabe peoples and their allies, and is adjacent to the Six Nations of the Grand River. As museum professionals, our jobs are many-fold. Managers, curators, interpreters, researchers, and much, much more. We find ourselves pining for some more interesting and perhaps wild history in our daily work. So, here's how the podcast works. We select a topic, then we each go away and have one hour to research the topic with the end goal to see how far down the rabbit hole of research we can go. So, here we go. Uh, Adrian, are you ready to uh, head down the rabbit hole along with our listeners to see where one hour in the past has taken us? Let's go. But first, <laughs> a word about some of our upcoming programs. that we're open late all summer? That's right. You can visit the museum until 8 p.m. on Tuesdays between Victoria Day and Thanksgiving. That turns out to be between May 22nd and October 2nd. It's a great opportunity to see some of our new exhibits, visit Lock 3 of the Welland Canal, and partake in some lovely, fun, and family-friendly museum programs. Visit our website for program details. See you at the museum. Our final installation of our popular Books and Brews book club will meet on Tuesday, June 19th at 7 p.m. Lock Street Brewing Company is supplying the local brews that go so well with our Canadian literature and cool museum atmosphere. It's not too late to join our discussion of Katerina Vermette's 2016 award-winning novel, The Break. Visit our website for details and how to register. Happy reading! of our new series, we'll be exploring the history of rowing. And we'll start again with the definition of rowing. The sport or pastime of propelling a boat <laughs> by means of oars. Again, rowing has an interesting etymology. It's a mix of the Old English word related to rudder, pronounced rowan, I think, <laughs> mixed with our English word rudder. It's not to be confused with row, spelt the same, but is used in reference to a quarrel or a fisticuffs. Fisticuffs, I like that word. It's the best word. <laughs> Maybe we'll do fisticuffs in, in another season. Um, and unsurprisingly, that word has its origins in 17th century Britain. So, let's reveal where we ended up, and then we can chat about how we got there. Okay. You start today. Sure, I yeah. I think I started the last time. Yeah. I ended up in 1976 East Germany. 
That's wow. pretty cool. Well, I can't wait to hear how you got there. Uh, I kind of went in a many different directions, and I think I went forward and backwards in time, but I did, the last line on my sheet here is 1831 rowing boat race between Oxford and Cambridge. Oh, cool. Uh, being canceled due to a cholera outbreak. What? Well, that's oh the gosh. last thing I was able to wow. speak in in an hour. That's actually cool. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. So I think we should actually add a disclaimer here that you have a huge advantage and uh, in rowing knowledge over right. me. I do. I have zero water background. <laughs> um, <laughs> having grown up in eastern Ontario in a field. Um, so if we talked about tractors, we could do that. But uh, tractors and dairy. But you have a, a really huge advantage in terms of knowledge because you are a rower yourself. That's very true. And I did do all the research for the rowing exhibit that's currently at the Sports Hall of Fame. So yes, that's true. I did start out with some rowing knowledge, but I tried not to have that uh, jeopardize the one hour research right. that I put together. That's good. So you have to sort of take that out of... Right. Yeah, perfect. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so do you want to go should, back should to I, where you started? Should I start? Yeah. Okay, so I actually, while I was looking up the rowing, the definition of rowing, and then the history of the word, I kind of got really captivated by the lingo, all the language <laughs> in rowing, because it's not familiar to me at it's all. Very but true. It, like, you guys have your own language. Yes. And it's kind of funny, because like, I play ultimate frisbee and we have our own ultimate frisbee language and there's lots of strange words that sometimes make sense or sometimes don't um, but there's some really cool words so um, I have some questions for you and hopefully you can help me help me find the answer because sometimes it didn't come out but sometimes sense. it does I also printed off the glossary from the uh, from the rowing Row, rowing Canada yeah rowing Canada so it helps a little bit, um, but there's so many words. So, uh, and it makes sense why. It's just words that you don't hear every day, in everyday speech. Right. Um, so rowing versus crew. Yeah. Why? It's the same thing, but in like the States, it's called crew. Yeah, if you're on a, a rowing team in Canada, you're on the rowing team. Right. But if you're at, like, it, it's different in different countries, but right. I know I, in the States, a lot of them, you're on the crew, rather on a right. rowing crew, the rowing crew, or just crew, rather than the rowing team. Right. But some Canadians call it crew as well. It's just okay. whatever you're most interested or But like. if you are a single rower, do you still row crew by yourself? If you're in the States? Well, it's the it whole like, team. A, oh. a single rower is part of an entire team of right. people that's... Like Team yeah. Harvard, yeah. team... Right. But you would never say of a single rower, take right. your crew and go down with the, <laughs> to the boathouse because you are the crew. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that's, where, does, where does crew come from? Just the fact that it's a team. I think so. I don't really know. I mean, okay. I'm, no, I'm guessing. Cool. But the guess would be that it's just a group of people that... Right. When you're in a... On a ship, you would call the group of people on a ship the crew, right. like any ship, like right. a navy ship or whatever. That's right. the crew, and so that, I'm sure that that's where it's come from. Right, because there's a lot of naval background, like way, way, way back. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of naval rowing. terminology in rowing anyway, right. like the uh, port and starboard, bow and stern. Right. Those are all naval <laughs> terms in any boating, right? Even the navy or regular recreational boating. Right. Well, I have all caps for why crew, but maybe one of our <laughs> listeners could do some more research. I only had an hour, right? So, I didn't even come across yeah. that. That wasn't even part of anything. Oh wow! That I, I can't wait to see where you came. <laughs> um, sweep means one oar, which makes sense. Sort of like yep. a broom. Is that is that the idea? Is that like you're like 
your oar is like a broom, and so you have you have the broom? Uh, maybe, but yes, yeah, sweep is one oar. <laughs> so you, do you sweep or do you scull? I've done both. <laughs> this year we're sculling mostly. Right. But so sculling so means you two have oars. two oars each. Yeah, each person has two oars. Right. Sweeping, each person has one oar. Can you have uh, sculling eight in a boat? There is such a so thing. That's 16 oars. Yes, and it's fast too, but right. there is such a thing, but not in competitive rowing. Right, not in the Olympics. It's not an actual okay. competitive boat, but there are some um, speed some uh, <laughs> rowing clubs that right. have, I think it's called an octet, oh. and it's eight. Octet, eight? Eight sculling. Eight. sculling yeah, course. that's what it's called. Good yeah. for you. I have the answer right there. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, they look very unusual because you don't see them very often. Right. Because it's really just yeah. for training, I think. Okay. For speed demons, <laughs> people who want to go <laughs> real be fast. fast because you could yeah. go pretty fast. Right, right. Uh, the next word I got was regatta. That's a pretty specific word, uh, which is kind of cool. And I guess it's related to um, <clears throat> the 13th century Venetian festivals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So I'm, I'm now in Venice. <laughs> um, but I guess regatta actually means contention for mastery. So it's like a, a race. It's a race. Yeah. Kind of cool. Um, but there's tons of different his historical races all over the world. It's not yes, just like Venice. And, yeah. But I think that's where the, it is, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's an Italian word, or it looks Italian. So, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. So then I went to Rowing Canada, and I was wondering if you could uh, answer some other. I'm going to test, <laughs> test you on this some. This is tough. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to test you. Cause, well, cause <laughs> I got so like into the lingo. So I'm going to test you on some catchphrases. Oh, excellent. Okay, not just I can't words. wait. Okay. So hopefully you, you know these. So catch a crab. Oh, yes. I've caught crabs many times <laughs> on the, not those kind of crabs, but I have caught crabs on, uh, yeah. uh, in rowing. Essentially, it's when your oar catches the water. Most of the time, it's you catch the water in the wrong place or time, and then the water just pulls the oar and either it could actually eject you completely for the, from the boat if it's bad <laughs> enough, um, but sometimes it'll just pull you backwards. It's like right. it catches it and it pulls you right back right. Uh, because the momentum of the boat is going in one direction and the oar basically stops in that spot and it pulls it. And, right. and uh, yeah. And, it, and I guess the idea is that like there's a crab in the water. Yeah. Like mythically, there's a crab yes. in the water hanging onto your paddle That's or something right. like that. Right. Okay, cool. <laughs> so it's it, the answer that I, I have written down, I'll just read it to you, is from a humorous suggestion that the rower has caught a crab, which is holding his oar down underwater, but could also link to an old Italian expression which translates to catch a crab and refers to a complete mistake. So like there's, Either one sounds about right. Yeah, there's, two, <laughs> there's, there's two there, which is kind of fun. It's a drag when you catch a crab. Yeah. Literally a drag, but it is definitely a drag because you stop the boat. Sometimes a crab will actually stop your boat completely in a race. Yikes. Yeah. Or, so and like bad. I said, you could be ejected right oh out of the boat. Oh my gosh. Like just fly up and <laughs> yeah. out? or Yeah, because you're holding on. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Um, and at that point, your race is over. Well, not necessarily. Your boat could keep going without oh, yeah. you? yeah. Oh. Well, no, if you get a... You, oh. Yes, your boat can go without you. Right. If it, it's, it could happen, it's but it's, it's harder. Yeah. Especially because in a sweeping boat, when you have each only one oar, there's a person on the opposite side to you with the opposite oar to you. So that's what's giving you your... Um, uh, keeping you going straight. Right. Um, so if you catch a crab that ejects you, 
because of your oar. <laughs> Someone has to hold your oar out of the water, and they have to hold their oar out of the water, and everyone else row. Oh my gosh. To keep it straight. Right. So it would, but you could theoretically keep going. Right. But it, you would maybe not win because you're two men down, or two women down. Right. Yeah. The next phrase is pulling one's weight. Right. Which essentially that <laughs> <laughs> i think more people are familiar with because that's a phrase that has made it into like everyday yeah speak. it's true um especially in terms of teamwork um, but originally to row with effect in proportion to one's weight right not only just like doing the work but also actually rowing in Putting proportion to how much you it. weigh in the boat yeah so that's kind of cool it's kind of interesting how that's changed just a little bit um lock on empty the tank oh i don't really know that one that's a good one what does that mean um, I think it means... Like, I'm sure empty the tank means just put everything in it. Like, they now... Uh, I've heard a lot of people say, leave yeah. it all on the water. Yeah. Where essentially you just... You give it every single second, so the very last stroke that you give is the very last stroke you could possibly take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what lock-on would refer, but I think empty the tank would be, like, burn so that you can... Because that would be probably the point... Is the can the cox the coxie yells at you at that point right like yeah. if you if you have, if you a, have coxie, a coxie they're yelling at you to get going yeah and yeah <laughs> so it's like tank, I guess. now's the time <laughs> you you don't have to reserve anything right yeah we have yeah. that in frisbee too because depending on what time it is and how many points you're down <laughs> it's like okay you don't need to save any energy we have to go yeah it's possible that locking on refers to where your oars go on the side part of the boat which is called the gunnel that's okay. the uh, uh, kind of the lip around the outside of the boat, where your oars are attached to the gunnel is called an oar lock. Okay. And the oar lock, you have to make sure those oar locks are closed down and in so that your oar won't come out of the oar lock when you're trying to row because you're putting lots of strength in. And so it could refer to that. Right. I'm only guessing. I yeah, don't yeah. really know, but yeah. that's my guess. No, that's weird. That's cool. Okay, I have some words now. You ready? Yeah. Uh, blade work. It's what you do with your oar. The blade is the flat part of your oar. Okay. Bowman. The person that sits in the bow. Wow, oh, you're good. <laughs> the bow is the front on the... Feathering. So when you... You have two options of how your blade is sitting in relationship to the edge of the, the boat. So one would be with the blade that is perpendicular to the water. Right. That's squared. Yep. And if your, bo your blade is parallel to the water, it's feathered. Okay. So when you're coming up, yeah. you're feathering across the top of the water. Right. You go perpendicular, you dump it into the water, and then you pull. Right. And then it comes out, you feather, and then back. Right. This pulley. That's a type of boat. Yeah! Well done, Kathy. <laughs> Very good. Like a manufacturer. <laughs> Very good. So from all of that, <clears throat> I went back and looked at uh, regatta, and I kind of got lost in Oxford, Harvard, Cambridge... All that stuff. Like where I ended up with where, the Oxford and so Cambridge boat race. I think because you got there, I'll leave that. But I thought it was really cool to look at some of the equipment and the history of the equipment and actually like clothing companies that exist because oh, cool. of rowing. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So like the, you know, like Letterman jackets and football jerseys and hockey jerseys, regatta jackets um, are like the team yes. vestment and uh, ceremonial vestments, I guess. And I guess there's this huge thing. Jack Carlson, I guess, is a big rower from Boston, from Harvard. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's this big question about class and rowing and how, like, yeah. rowing is, like, 
at least the stereotype is uh, super elitist and for wealthy people because I guess there's a lot of expensive equipment involved and time Definitely. And, yeah. and that and then also like the recreational historical recreational aspect to it it's generally white men who participate in sport and having a jacket as your ceremonial yes. it's vestment. not like a jacket like a bomber jacket it's yeah. like a, um, a suit jacket yeah actually yeah. it's just a really bright <clears throat> Crazy design. Crazy color, but like a suit jacket yeah. as your ceremonial vestment yeah. just reinforces yeah. the no, sort no, of the sure. white male stereotype <laughs> of rowing. Um, so that was really interesting to look into that. And I wish I had more time again to... I spent so much time on the words in the last five <laughs> minutes I looked at everything else. So it would be really cool to look at the history of that particular tradition because like why... I guess it makes sense. Like lots of sports use sure. tons of different colors. But also think about it teams. that most of these, uh, most rowing like that would have been in private schools. Right. And a private school uniform would have included a jacket like that. Right. And so that's, it's kind of like the, the uniform of the upper class um, school. Yeah. School no. age men. Yeah. Like university age men or college aged men were already wearing that as part of their uniform for right. school. Right. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Because they look like those school uniform kind of jackets. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting how he could say, like, rowing isn't a rich man's sport anymore, but all the traditions come from that background. Yeah, for background. sure. Yeah. So, you know, it may not, it may be more accessible to people these days, but I think, like, on the face of it, it's still, like, a sort of a white yeah. sport. Yeah, I don't I know. Think that's so. a, that's I, it's, it's, yeah, it's a hard one. Again, in an hour. Yeah. This is a really hard thing to it do. It is. <laughs> so, how did I end up in yeah. East Germany in 1976? Well, so I looked at regardless. I went back and looked at like the history of Canadian rowing and the Royal Henley uh, Royal Canadian Henley Regatta, yeah. which is held here in St. Catharines, up in Porto Luzzi, has been around since 1903 officially or something like that. Yeah, it like, started in 1882. And continually since 1903 yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I think that. that's right. Um, Grace Kelly apparently has been one of the, what do you call somebody who goes to a regatta to watch? Spectator. Oh, right. She's whiz. That was the sort of the biggest celebrity sure. name, so that's cool. Um, and then it led me to the 1984 Olympics because the Canadian gold winning men's eight, is that correct? Swe sweep. Yeah. Men's team. eight, yeah. Men's eight team, just men's eight, yeah. Won gold at the 1984 Olympics, and that team was from St. Catharines, or they, yes. their home, home yeah, base was they, the... They were training here. Was the Henley, yeah. Their yeah. training base was Henley. The coach so. was here at Ridley. Yeah, so that's well, kind of cool. he ended up at Ridley. Yeah. yeah. So, neat, but why did they end up winning? It, they were a very good team, obviously, because they won the gold, but there were a couple of things that were going on. Right. At East Germany was the dominating rowing force in the world for the decade before the 1984 LA Olympics, um, uh, Los Angeles Olympics. Uh, they had won gold in 1976. Uh, they were the world champions from 1977 to 1979, and they won gold in the 1980 Olympics. Uh, they were also the uh, world champions in 1982 and 1983. Right. You'd think they would win. And but then they, they, were, they, they didn't there. compete. <laughs> they didn't compete. That's right. None of the Eastern Bloc countries were there. Yeah. Yeah. So, isn't that crazy that 
you know, a little bit of politics gave the, uh, a little bit, a lot of politics, a lot of politics gave Canada the opportunity to win. I mean, they were good. And there were other, I think New Zealand was in the, in the medals as well. And New Zealand was also uh, a world champion at some point in and around there. Um, and so they had all been sort of going, East Germany, New Zealand, and some of the other countries had been going back and forth. And then Canada came out of nowhere and beat all of them. Not just because East Germany wasn't there, but... You never know, right? So Can the Canadians had a great team in 1967, um, yeah. and they were going to compete in the World Championships down in Mexico, and they were winning everything. They didn't lose a race the whole year, I gather, yeah. and they got down to uh, uh, the World Championships in Mexico, and half of the team got food poisoning or some sort of illness, yeah. and didn't. they ended up not even placing, even though they were top-seeded. So you really never yeah. know yeah. what... Uh, until what it happen actually happens in any yeah. sport, but this true. Definitely, you know, it's a tough sport, and the weather can have huge impact because you're it's out an on the water. Outdoor race, yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah. So there you well, go. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's where I ended up. <laughs> that's <laughs> okay, pretty your cool. Turn. Okay, so here, I took where did way I too start? Much time, that's by okay. The way, so, I'll go quickly. Yeah. So no, where no. I started was that the World Championships, the first time they were ever held outside of Europe was in 1970, and they were held here in St. Catharines. What? At the, at the Henley course. Which the I first time outside cool. of Europe? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, Our course here in St. Catharines is pretty amazing. It's yeah. one of the best in the world. And it's, it's so uh, well protected in terms of weather. It's eh? really like, great. Yeah. It's super sheltered. It's really nice. Um, so a few things that I found. Uh, here's a kind of fun fact about rowing shells that you may or may not know is that uh, the rowing shell that you would use in a sport nowadays, the hulls are about three millimeters thick. So Whoa. they're very tiny. Right. You could actually put your foot right through it if you put yeah. your foot into the bottom of the boat. Um, but they have been traditionally made over the years by with mahogany, cedar, fiberglass, or carbon fiber, which is kind of the, the cutting edge ones now, or yeah. uh, lightweight hardwood. So... That's pretty pretty cool. How much does a shell cost? A lot of money, depending <laughs> on what what material you're getting. Right. Like carbon fiber, brand new carbon fiber boat of the top quality is like crazy expensive. I I be <laughs> I could probably afford the cardboard. I'd say version. like for a, a, a single like yeah. a one person boat, not a crew, just a single person, um, with the oars for the carbon fiber top end would be about $10,000 now. Yay. So it is an expensive sport if you're just doing it on your own. So right. hopefully you're part of a club where they have a bunch of boats and you're just using their boats. Right. Um, so an interesting thing that uh, oh, a lot students. of people, <laughs> a lot of people like to, uh, um, to talk about and to joke about. Usually you joke about it. <laughs> I know I've heard high school students joke about it, but when you're actually rowing, sometimes you joke about it, is that rowing is the only sport that uh, started because of a torture, uh, a means of torture. Oh. So, you know, back in the Greek and Roman days when your ships were all rowed, it was all slaves that were in the bottom of the ship rowing the ship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, And then all of a sudden, now it's a sport. We're doing right. it for fun. But in actual fact, <laughs> it was torture back in the... Uh, Right. Ancient, ancient, uh, um, back in the ancient yes. days. But it does, the sport itself actually goes back to ancient Rome and uh, wow. Greece and Roman Egypt. Huh. And I'm sure that they had rowing competitions between different groups of people. That wouldn't be unusual. But the, uh, the oldest modern rowing races go back to the 
the 1700s. So the oldest race is from England and it goes back to 1715. How's that? The first Canadian rowing race actually was in 1816. Wow. In St. John, Newfoundland. And right. they still hold this regatta every yeah, year. Where, where is that again? It's uh, Royal St. John's Regatta. So right. it's in St. John's Harbor in Newfoundland. Um, it's slightly different than the boat races we have here. So here you'd have uh, eight people say in an eight, you'd have eight and they all sit straight in the middle of the boat. Whereas the boats that they have um, at this race, they sit six people in a boat and they're staggered in the boat a little bit. Oh. So they don't all sit one right behind the other. There's a stagger to it and they row, um, it's much choppier water. Right. So, so they, do, they, is, do they need the wider boat so they I don't think so. tip? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They're more like an ocean rowing kind of boat. And like the water must be colder out there. I'm sure. I'm just. I'm guessing, <laughs> but yes. Thinking about the weather. And they have a, a fixed slide, so our the boats in normal rowing that you would see here uh, on the Henley um, have a sl the seat slides up and down. Oh, I see. Whereas these ones on the, at the uh, Royal St. John's Regatta are fixed slide boats, nice. or they would have been back in the day. Right. Uh, and it was mostly na navy and garrison people from the the. British garrison who were here at the time in Canada in the 1700s or 1800s who were the racers. Cool. And they probably brought it from England when they came here. So as you said, the Royal Canadian Henley was established in 1882, but you had more information than me about 1903 being there, 1902 being the first. Continually from 1903. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's cool. Mm -hmm. Another cool fun fact about rowing is that Canada's very first sports hero was a rower. Oh. It was Ned Hanlon. If you've ever seen the movie The Boy in the Boat with Nicolas Cage, it's about Ned Hanlon. Oh, no way. And he was our most acclaimed oarsman. And uh, basically, he his family had a hotel on Toronto Island, which is called Hanlon Point, which you probably have heard. Yeah. Um, and as a child, he used to actually row across the harbor to go to school every day. <laughs> and he used to take fish to the market. Um, but in his years of rowing, he only lost six races out of 300. What? He was the world sculling, sculling the two oars, sculling right. champ by himself. He rode in a boat by himself. World sculling champion for five consecutive years between 1880 and 1884. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and he became, or he That's beat an cool. Australian. His name was Edward Trickett in 1880 to become our first world championship sportsman for Canada. Wow. Super famous guy. Um, and he was also the guy uh, who was, they call him the fa father of modern technique. So he started out his career with a fixed slide boat, but he started using the sliding oh. seat type of technique, which nobody used to use before. They used to just row using basically your arms, whereas you get a lot more strength if you use your legs. Yes. And so to have the... Uh, the, the slide, the seat slide up and down, you get more uh, mechanical advantage and you can go faster. So wow. that's pretty cool. Uh, which changed from being able to do 36 strokes per minute to 42 strokes per minute. That's, that's a lot. A lot. Apparently he used to try to psych out his competition. So he would like get ahead and then he would stop. Sometimes he would turn around, go around them and then go past them. No. Yeah, he was pretty crazy. Wow. <laughs> 
Uh, and he used to always compete in a blue shirt, which is why he was called the boy in blue. Right. Um, and he became a city councillor in Toronto, uh, a hotelier, and he was the very first head coach of the University of Toronto's rowing club wow. in 1897. So that's pretty cool. Holy moly, that's um, neat. Would the, he have competed here, do you think? Not at the Henley, I don't think, okay. uh, because our course didn't start until later. Right. Because um, our first, the Henley Regatta was established in 1882. Oh, okay. Well, he might have, but I don't, I couldn't find any evidence that he'd actually rode here. Right. But they did film the Boy in Blue movie here. Oh, they cool. Have a good chunk of it here on the Henley, and there are a lot of people that are rowers from the Henley that were part of that cool. production I didn't and know that. who were like uh, extras in the uh, the cool. Boy in Blue. Yeah, it's That's pretty neat. cool. Um, so where did this take me? Then I went to, uh, in 1871 was the very first American rowing machine was invented. Uh, anyone who's ever been to the gym and rode <laughs> on one of these machines, which is called an ergometer. Yeah. It's like a torture device. Apparently they've been around since 1871, which is pretty good. I, I have, I have 100% <laughs> always avoided them. Yeah. Cause they're pretty torturous. Yeah. Um, I'm always afraid of doing it wrong. It requires a lot of form. And hearing you talk about rowing just even on the water, I'm not going to go to the gym and just start rowing because I get laughed at. You, know? <laughs> you might not. It depends on whether there's any rowers in the yeah. room or not. <laughs> Maybe everybody okay. thinks I look really good. <laughs> there's some pretty funny videos on YouTube of right. people rowing. Like sitting on it backwards or something or ridiculous. stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so I didn't go too far into the rowing machine tangent because I think that could have taken me lots yeah. of crazy places. Um, but then I um, found out that the original rowing races, um, men rowed 2,000 meters, which currently everyone mostly in uh, competitive rowing rows 2,000 meters, except for the master's rowers who are older, they row um, 1,000 meters. Most of the races are 1,000 meters, although they do have 2,000 meter races as well. Uh, but originally, men rode 2,000 meters and women rode 1,000 meters in their races. And women were not allowed into competitive rowing until the middle of the 20th century. Wow. Like, it was way late in the, the century where women were allowed. I think they were allowed in the Olympics in the 1970s. It was like a late. Really late. Comparatively to other yeah. sports, yeah. Brock University was actually at the forefront because they had a coach who allowed women to row. They were the first university in Canada, I think, that had a women's team. That's cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, some other facts that you might find fun is that an, a shell that holds eight people plus a coxie is 60 feet long. So it's a pretty good size. <laughs> As you, if you helped us, did you help us move the rowing I shell? I didn't, the help, but I here? saw the video and I've talked about the rowing right. shell, that gold medal winning rowing shell here a number of times. It's uh, it's way bigger than like you. Are usually, for those of you who are listening who haven't seen this, this rowing shell sits in our uh, exhibit gallery, just inside the gallery, on brackets above above your head. Yeah. Um, and it's currently at the Sports Hall of Fame at the Meridian Center. And when we moved it. It doesn't look that long until you take it down and you put it on a truck to <laughs> take it's it someplace. Long, and then <laughs> yeah. you have to get it into the Meridian yes, Center, which was fun. Which is also like it, you know, it, the place wasn't built yeah. to move rowing shells around, exactly. so that was a creative thing as well. So it's sixty feet long, but it can weigh if you have a really good boat. It could weigh as little as two hundred pounds. Wow, ours is heavier than that, right. but it could weigh that much if you had like carbon fiber. But what is ours know. made out of? It's wood. Okay, so boat. 84, they were using wood in the Olympics. In this one, yeah. Wow. It, I might have a fiberglass shell with some wood ribbing and stuff right. like that, but it has wood. Um, and a single shell, which is for just a single rower, is about 27 feet long. 
So that's a pretty good size. For single still. rowers, yeah. 27 feet, yeah, that's... Well, you don't want to tip over. Hopefully you got a yeah. little bit of distance to you. And they can be as little as 10 inches across. What? <laughs> and weigh as little as 23 pounds. So you're barely going down the course on like a little small light. 10 inches across? <laughs> How do you fit in there? Very, very carefully. <laughs> I'm just looking at my hips, everybody. I'm like, I don't think I can fit in there. It's um, not possible. And I don't know if you know this, Adrian, but coxies, who are the, the little smaller person who sits in the boat and basically tells the, you what to do. The admirals, And yeah. steers the boat. Right. If you have an eight or a four, they are usually steering the boat. How do they steer from the front? There's a, a handle oh, okay. for steering. It controls the rudder. Okay, cool. Um, but if you're too light, a coxie has to carry weight. Yeah. So the coxie has to be either 50 or 55 kilograms, and so you have to be minimum of that. You can be he as heavy as you want to be up above that, but if you're you don't not want to that, be that weight, heavy, you yeah. have to carry a sandbag in the boat with you to, uh, to add to the weight so that everyone gets the same advantage or wow. disadvantage. The speediest rowers right now, row at about 14 miles per hour. What's that in kilometers? Um, I would say, I like think that's 30. like 30 kilometers an hour, wow. which is pretty fast yeah. in a boat. That is fast. Yeah, You have to have really how good... Many, how many knots is that? Oh, I don't know. Jeez, that's a question. We, <laughs> I have no for idea. the next one, we'll have to... <laughs> <laughs> we'll look up nautical measurements. Right. So um, there's a, a guy, his name is Pierre de Coubertin. And he was French, France French, not Quebec French. Right. Um, and he's known as the founder of the modern Olympic Games. So he basically put together what we currently call the Olympics. You know, there were Olympics since way back in the Greek and Roman era. Yeah. But this is the modern Olympics. And like 19, 1904 or something yeah, like that, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And he was a rower. And oh, no so rowing has actually been an Olympic sport since the start of the modern Olympics. Mm. Men's rowing yeah. was an Olympic sport since the start. Uh, women's rowing came in 1976. So it's a big deal. Yeah, I think so. And it's always been a big deal in a lot of places. And I think like the, like, the Canadian media gives it a lot of attention. Eh, I think I it think. could have more. The oh, challenge yeah. is, is that rowing is maybe not as exciting as a spectator sport. Right. Unless you're watching it on camera, on TV. Right. Sometimes it's you see the boat go past, and then you That's may it. or may not see the finish line, if depending on where you're sitting. Right. So, unless you're sitting at the finish line, right. sometimes it's harder to... And the Summer Olympics now have so much. Yeah. Whereas the Winter Olympics, is, there's less sports, so it's not as right. hard to cover as much. And then, um, last two fun facts, or two facts that I came across. One was that rowing was the first intercollegiate sport in the United States. Hmm. Um, there was, in 1858, the first race was between Harvard and Yale no in way. rowing. <laughs> they're, so that's impressive. They're, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Their, um, you know, school rivalry goes back yes, really far. Ways. Exactly. Because you hear, like, and it's not just rowing. It's every single sport, club, yeah. individuals, departments, everything. <laughs> the, uh, Harvard and Yale yeah. always competing. Why in. not? Yeah, yeah. And sure. um, their race is actually uh, kind of a parallel to a boat race that's happened. And this is my last point, which I s started with earlier. Um, parallel to a race in England between Oxford and Cambridge right. um, for the boat race. It's called the boat race. Cool. It actually goes back way, way, way early. Um, but that's the, I Is that the 17, 1715 yes. one? Yeah. yeah. So it goes back to the... 
you know, the 18th century. Right. Um, but the interesting thing was it had never been canceled for years and years and years. It just kept going every year except for 1831 when it was canceled due to a cholera outbreak, which would be such a drag. Yeah. Um, but I would cancel it for a cholera outbreak as well. <laughs> And that's where my hour... Cholera is a drag because it canceled the rowing. And for other reasons, well, too. But well, yeah. it's a drag to have cholera. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it is, yeah. So that's where my hour took me. There wow. were so many places I could have gone, and I'm sure you found the same thing. Yeah, um, there was a lot. Yeah. But I would have liked to do more about the I think, too, like, I, like you are really familiar. I got easily distracted by just <laughs> learning about the sport, not even getting into the history. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a neat little club, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's got really specific tasks that not, like, that comparatively other sports... I mean, maybe you can compare some sometimes, but like other sports don't have that same kind of thing. So Adrian, that was awesome. We came yeah. to some really cool stuff about rowing. I really enjoyed it. And uh, so we're going to meet again next time after we've done our one hour of sleuthing. sleuthing and we're going to talk right. about... Soda water. Soda water. That's correct. Soda water. Yes. What? What's soda water? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into our new podcast. If you have any ideas for what Kathleen and I should research, we'd love to hear them. You can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash St. Catherine's Museum or on Twitter and Instagram at STC Museum. One Hour in the Past is produced by us, Adrian Petrie and Kathleen Powell, and brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and the City of St. Catharines. Stroke. Stroke. <laughs> stroke. Is that, does the coxie say stroke or do they say, do they grunt? Um, they could, what yes. does the coxie say to yell at you? <clears throat> they say, come on, go. But like nothing with a beat? Um, yeah. Don't you need a rhythm? say that. You don't have a coxie in your no, team, so it's not, it's not like regular. It just depends on the coxie, really. I would probably say a really silly Sometimes word. Sometimes they'll be like hard 10, and then they'll be like one, two, right. three. And they're like, right. <laughs> they're harsh, man. And they're like, if you're in, like, I was always in four seat. Four seat, come on! <laughs> <laughs> Work harder. But could they do you're it You're not again? feathering up. Feather up. Everyone feather up. Everyone concentrate on pivoting, you know? like. All oh, my gosh. Shush. Yeah. I could not have a coxie yelling at me. <laughs> I'll focus, yeah. Depending on where you're sitting, sometimes you can't really hear the coxie very well right. anyway. So it's... <laughs> C4. No, C4 Other... can hear pretty good. Uh, I have a little speaker right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Their microphone? Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness, that's so funny. A little so headset funny. on. Back in the early days, they had like a, you know those umbrella ha hats? Yeah. It looked kind of like that, but it had like the, the elastic band around the top of the head and then attached to like a, a megaphone thing. Oh my gosh. Cone-like thing. So they had hands-free. Yeah. Could they use silly words like banana? Banana. Sure. <laughs> All right. Let's call it a day. Okay. <laughs>